Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Live. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Vanessa Lau, and we're going to talk about how to do content marketing with Instagram. Specifically, how do you use content to build demand for your products or your services? This is one of those shows you're going to want to take notes for. This is one of those shows you're probably going to want to listen to twice. By the way, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Stelzner or email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Also, if you're new to this podcast, hit the subscribe button. We've got some amazing content coming your way. And also, are you on Clubhouse? Are you following the Social Media Examiner Club? If not, be sure to do so. By the way, wish you could get more traffic from Google. Half the battle is understanding what you need to fix on your website. One route is to go out and hire really expensive consultants. I've been there and done that. There is another way. What if you could get a professional website audit for free without dealing with those pesky salespeople? This is the power of Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. This free resource will help you prioritize optimization opportunities on your website. And that means more Google traffic. You'll see which keywords your pages are ranking for. Understand how Google sees your content and discover how making changes can blow up your traffic. Imagine what this could do for your business. Visit ahrefs.com slash webmaster dash tools for this free tool. You can find the link by scrolling up in your podcast player. Again, visit ahrefs.com slash webmaster dash tools. By checking out our sponsors, you support this show. All right, let's transition over to this week's interview with Vanessa Lau. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Vanessa Lau. If you don't know who she is, you need to know who she is. She's an Instagram marketing expert who specializes in helping online coaches. Her course is called the Boss Graham Academy. She has over 400,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel, which is mostly focused on Instagram content, and she's absolutely amazing. Welcome back to the show, Vanessa. Yes, Mike. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. So today, Vanessa and I are going to explore how to use content on Instagram to build demand for whatever it is you're selling. And before we get started, I would just love to ask this question because I'm sure a lot of people 
maybe have thought this through. Why should marketers use Instagram for organic marketing and selling? Like what's the advantages to doing this? Maybe if they've just not thought of it that way. Yeah, of course. Personally, for me, I think that there are two main reasons why marketers today should still consider Instagram as a platform to continue maintaining and pursuing and growing. And the first one is DMs. DMs are a major thing for relationship building and having sales conversations. And I know that a lot of marketers today might be doubting Instagram because we've got Clubhouse now, we've got TikTok, we've got all these amazing and emerging platforms. And as a marketer, maybe you don't want to put all the energy into everything you want to focus on one thing. But what I've noticed is that there still isn't a platform that does DMs really, really well. And I love that how Instagram really supports people to slide into your DMs a lot easier. So for instance, the ability to quick react. So the fact that you can just quick react to someone's story instead of actually texting them, maybe you just give them a thumbs up, you love their content, you put the fire emoji or something when you quick react to a story, that automatically puts them into your inbox. And so if you're someone who's selling a product, a service, or anything like that, it allows you to have more conversations with your followers that way. Not only this, with DMs, and this is why I think that Instagram is still the king when it comes to DM conversations, is you have video chat, you have voice note. And so for me, I sell a program, let's say, whenever I send a voice note to someone on DM, they're immediately floored because they're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you took the time to send me a voice note. When in reality, it actually takes me less time to send a voice note than it does to actually send a text. I've also had instances where from just a simple DM conversation, we seamlessly transition into a video chat, which leads into a consultation call. And then that leads to that person potentially buying my products and services. And so that is the number one reason why I still believe that Instagram is a platform that marketers today, entrepreneurs today still need to continue growing because of this feature. Not only this, the second major reason why I believe Instagram is still amazing for organic marketing and selling is it's a multimedia platform. So there are so many different vehicles where you can post content on within the Instagram platform itself. For instance, you've got videos for longer form content that includes IGTV. You could do short form bite-sized content on IG reels for quick engagement. And we can talk about that later. You can do posts, you can do carousels, you can do stories for behind the scenes content. The possibilities are really endless on Instagram when it comes to engaging your audience. And another thing that I love about Instagram, because it has so many different vehicles of content, you can also repurpose a lot of content on your other platforms as well on Instagram and stretch your content even farther. So for example, for me, I don't just post content on Instagram. I'm also a YouTuber. I've also had a podcast, let's say. So if you're someone who's listening to this episode and you're creating content elsewhere, Instagram has so many different ways that you can repurpose that content as well. And so that's why for those two reasons, number one, DMs, and number two, multimedia, that is why I believe marketers today should still focus their time and energy on Instagram for organic marketing and selling. Just out of curiosity, do you find it's mostly stories that are leading to those DMs? Yes, I do find that it's stories leading to those DMs, which is why having a well-balanced content strategy is really helpful. Another thing that I find is when people, when you share content and people react to that on the stories as well, that also leads to more DM opportunities too. And also leveraging your captions, inviting someone to DM you. But to answer your question, yes, I do believe that stories is really a great way for people to open that avenue to have a conversation with you. 
So before we get into the content uh, ideas and stuff, let's talk about some of the common mistakes that you see others make when it comes to producing content on Instagram. Just so many of us know, maybe this is something we might not want to do if we've been doing it. What are some of those mistakes? So there are three mistakes. Well, there's actually tons of mistakes that a lot of people make, but the three main ones that I want to focus on today because I see it happening more often than not are the following. Number one, not understanding that each post can serve a different purpose. Number two, having captions that are way too long. And number three, especially if you're a business owner, giving everything away on social media because you think that that's what's going to get people to buy your products and services. And so for each mistake, I can break down what I mean by that. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So the first one, like I said, is not understanding that each post can serve a different purpose. And where I actually noticed this mistake was within my own students in my program, the Boss Graham Academy. I have students sometimes posting in our Facebook group being like, I feel so discouraged. This post isn't getting a lot of likes and it's not getting a lot of comments. And so it must not be a good post or my strategy must not be working. But the reality is, is that you need to have a balance in expectations because too many people on one end of the spectrum, focus way too much on vanity metrics when they post content online. They evaluate their success based on likes and comments alone. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, and this is kind of a newer spectrum that we've seen emerge last year, is a lot of people focus on creating shareable content. So they really focus on creating content that's going to go viral, content that's going to be shared by others. And this is a type of content that I talked about in my previous episode with you last year when I was on your podcast. And so there's not a balance of expectations there. And so what you have to realize is that when you are creating content, there are different posts that serve different purposes. So for example, I know for a fact that when I post a photo that shows my face, let's say a selfie, maybe a photo of me and my dog, a photo of me and my boyfriend or something like that. My analytics show me that whenever I post a photo of myself, I will always get more likes and comments. And that might be because people are like, hey, I like this photo of Vanessa. I want to like it. Or, oh, I get a glimpse of Vanessa's life. I want to comment on how cute it is. Now, that is surface level engagement. However, it's still important to have that type of engagement and care about likes and comments, let's say, because those posts allow me to get boosted in the algorithm. More likes, more comments, better for the algorithm. And so that's my strategy there whenever I post a photo of my face. Versus if I want to get more shares, more saves, I want content that people are actually going to want to share on their stories, want to save it for later, then I might change my strategy. And instead, I might post a photo that has an inspirational quote or maybe an infographic. And those posts, when I look at my analytics and when I look at the analytics of my students, they get less likes, less comments. However, when you actually look into the numbers, they get significantly more shares and significantly more saves. Which leads to more reach, right? More visibility, right? Exactly. Which leads to more reach, which leads to more traffic. And so whenever you are creating your content strategy, be it on Instagram or be it on YouTube, a lot of people need to understand that each content piece can serve a different purpose. And when you don't set an objective for your posts and for your content, what ends up happening is you end up becoming the online marketer who's constantly frantic and disappointed. Mm. And that's just kind of like the newer entrepreneurs that I see that post content online or the new business owners where they're like, oh my goodness, this post didn't get enough likes. This post didn't get enough comments. And so I need to just quit everything and stop posting content at all. And by the way, folks, everything Vanessa said applies to nearly every social platform. 
not just Instagram. Exactly. This is gold. Keep going. Yeah. And so that's really sad and that you're literally closing doors for your own business. Even though that post may not have gotten likes or comments, maybe one person in the world learned more about your service and is that much closer to buying a product from you. But because you're evaluating your success on that post from likes and comments, now you're deciding to exit your business completely over that. And that just makes no sense. And so I would love, love, love whoever is listening to this episode to understand again, each post serves a different purpose. And when you set an objective for a post, you'll be surely less frantic and disappointed when you're doing content on Instagram or any other platform like that. And for what it's worth, many people don't even have objectives. So exactly. there's another problem. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like when I post a piece of content on my stories, that is more maybe showcasing my client testimonials. All I care about my objective is to getting maybe more DMs, maybe more prospects in the pipeline, right? Maybe more clicks to my link in bio, which would lead to my product and service. I'm not concerned and I don't feel offended or upset if it doesn't get enough likes or comments because that was never my objective with that post. And so that's the first mistake that I see people making when it comes to crafting a compelling and well-rounded content strategy for Instagram or for any platform with that being said. So talk to us about the captions problem. Yes, yes. I was just leading into that perfect timing. So the second one is captions are way too long. And I'm even someone who used to preach long captions and I still write long captions and it used to be a best practice. But what we have to realize is that the Instagram platform has changed and Instagram has allowed different ways to structure and format your content. So for instance, actually, before I talk about what to do, I want to explain something to the listeners here. Think about YouTube, think about any video platform. There's watch time, right? And the goal of any video platform is you wanna create content and you wanna structure that content so that people will watch until the very end. With Instagram, I mean, there could be watch time with IGTV and IG Reels and everything, but when it comes to your captions, you also wanna think about read time. It's not like an official term, but just think of it in that context. How can you increase the read time on your posts? And especially if you're someone who's listening and you're spending 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour to write amazing captions only to have people skim it or not even read it at all, it's not effective and it's not a good use of time. And so later on this podcast episode, I wanna talk about how to structure your content and what to do instead. But for now, just know that creating super long captions isn't really the most optimized way to communicate your content to your audience in a way that's really digestible. So that's the second mistake that I see people making. Perfect. What's the third? The third mistake is as a business owner, I see a lot of people, especially when they're starting out because they think this is the right strategy, is they give everything away on social media because they believe that it's going to get people to buy your products and services. And I'm in the digital education space. So what I mean by that is I kind of have noticed that social media is now becoming like a group coaching program for everyone. I see a lot of people, even if you're not in the digital course space, even if you're selling a service like a nail salon service, lash extension service, beauty salon, doesn't matter. You know, I see a lot of people posting a lot of tutorial based content, basically teaching people the entire A to Z of what their paid products and services are meant to do in the first place. And so what I want to teach people or what I want to share people, because I used to make this mistake, is when you're constantly posting what I like to call how-to content or tutorial-based content, you're essentially training your audience to rely on your free content. And we all know that 
a 10 minute video or one post on Instagram or an Instagram story, like mini series is never really going to help someone solve a big problem. And what I like to say is the bigger problem that your products and services are trying to solve, the more important your content needs to be diversified beyond just doing how-to and tutorial-based content. And we can talk about the different types of content to do later so that all the marketers, all the entrepreneurs who are listening to this episode have a well-rounded approach. But for now, I want to break down why constantly creating tutorial-based content, why constantly creating how-to content, even if it gets you more views, even if it gets you more likes, even if it gets you more fans and followers, why it doesn't work from a business perspective. Number one, imagine if you're constantly posting little mini tutorials on how to use, I don't know, how to use a particular thing. For instance, for me, let's say I always post content on how to grow on Instagram and I literally give everything step-by-step, step-by-step constantly. What happens is imagine if my followers try to execute that five-minute tutorial that I posted on IGTV and it doesn't work for them. Then what happens is, okay, well, Vanessa said that this is a video that's going to help me explode my Instagram account, and that didn't work. So Vanessa's strategies must not work. And so let me just go to the next person who's going to do free tips for me. That's one issue that can happen. The second issue is that when you're constantly only focusing on sharing how-to content, tutorial-based content, and not balancing it with other types of content that you need to create to build demand for your services, then what happens is that your followers or whoever's watching your content or absorbing your content, they'll never realize that they actually need your paid content and they will continue to DIY everything because you train them through your content to rely on you and to constantly expect the solutions for free. And this is really in the lens of business owners, right? You're not running a nonprofit here. You want to create content that can help people and provide value, but there's a balance with that. And then the third potential outcome when you constantly do freebie content, I like to call it, is you're starting to attract a certain person who's constantly going to expect everything for free from you because you're literally giving away everything for free and you're cannibalizing your own products and services by doing this. And this is really specific to like service-based businesses and educational-based businesses. But I hope by sharing that, it really showcases why only focusing on how-to content can be problematic for your business. Love it. So natural next question is what type of content should we post if our goal is to ultimately develop demand for whatever it is we're selling? So what are some of the types of content you recommend we do do? Yes. So this is going to sound contradictory, but remember, we're trying to build a pie here. We're trying to build a balanced pie when it comes to your Instagram content strategy. And honestly, a lot of the tips that I'm giving today, I use for my YouTube channel too. It's applicable to any social media platform, like you mentioned earlier, Mike. And so the first one, a little bit contradictory, but the how-to content should be in your content strategy, but it shouldn't be the only thing you rely on. And so what I mean by how-to content or what I like to also call hot tips content. So where you give tips and all that, it helps you to build trust and authority that you know what you're talking about because people, it's like a sample. It's like a sample of what you can offer in your paid products and services, right? So even me being on this podcast episode, I'm giving some tips. I'm giving some major tips to your listeners. I might not be giving the entire A to Z on how to do everything. Here's the templates. Here's the swipe files. Here's the sequence on how you need to do it. Here's a tutorial from A to Z for all the steps, because that's what my paid content is for. But I'm giving enough so that your listeners understand, hey, Vanessa actually knows what she's talking about. And some of the 
tips that she's given to me, I've never heard before. And so that's why I'm going to go over to Vanessa's Instagram account or YouTube or whatever. I'm going to follow her because I want more. I want to know what more she can bring to the table. And even for you, Mike, like you found me because of some of the content that I was doing for free. Some of the hot tips content that I was giving, maybe you were like, whoa, this Vanessa girl, like things that she's mentioning, I've never heard before. She's got a really unique take on Instagram strategy. I want to invite her to my podcast. That's why how to and hot tips content is still really important because it shows people that you know what you're doing and you're an expert at the topic that you are, you know, it's claiming that you're an expert about. Quick questions. A couple of them. I've heard people call these quick win content too, right? Stuff that people can do that isn't super complicated, but can give them like that endorphin hit that like, wow, okay, this works. Right. Mm -hmm. And do you recommend when we create this kind of content that we also say, and by the way, there's a lot more in depth, or if you want to go more in depth, check out my product, or do you recommend not to do that? No, I highly recommend doing that and really setting that expectation. Like this is just a small portion of what I really offer. Click the link in my bio to learn more or DM me if you want to know more about how to do ABC. And so that's a really great call out. And I really love that because again, a lot of people always fail to remember the call to action. What is the call to action on this piece of content? What expectation are you setting? Where do you want to send people afterwards? Maybe you give your quick win content and, you know, tell people, hey, if it works, make sure you come back and check out A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Or maybe um, if it works, uh, add yourself to my wait list for my program or my upcoming service or whatever it is. And so, yes, absolutely. A call to action. Make sure that people understand that this is just the tip of the iceberg of what you actually offer. You mentioned this is a kind of a pie chart, right? So without saying all the other pieces, because we want to create that intrigue to get people to keep listening, uh, what percentage of the pie do you recommend be how-to content? I would recommend the how-to content maybe like 25%, like if we're thinking of a true pie here. Like let's say you've got four different types of content pillars. You know, each content pillar you do 25, 25, 25, 25. That would be sufficient. What matters most is that it's not 100% of the pie and you've got other things that you're slotting in. And later on, I can elaborate more on like the other pieces of the pie, but definitely no more than 50%. Perfect. Okay, good. So the first piece of content is the how-to stuff. What are the other two or three Mm -hmm. that you recommend? Yes. Actually, before I talk about the other two that I recommend, because I want to give three juicy ones to your listeners right now, is another thing that I want to mention is a lot of times, and the reason why a lot of newer business owners, online marketers get sucked in into creating a 100% of how-to content is because of vanity metrics. When you actually look at it, look at the analytics, whether that's YouTube or Instagram or whatever, it's the how-to content or the quick win content that gets the most views, gets the most likes, gets the most shares, right? Mm -hmm. And what I like to call this type of content is the purpose. Remember earlier, we talked about setting an objective for each content piece. Well, usually the objective for how to and hot tips and quick win content is like I said, it builds trust and authority that you know what you're talking about. It also allows you to build traffic. So they're kind of like traffic drivers because people are searching for solutions on the internet, how to do this, how to do that, blah, 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 blah. And so that's why 25% of your content should still be how-to content because that's how you're going to get seen a lot faster because that's what people are looking for. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Love that. 
Love that. Keep going. Yeah. However, once you get them, once you get the traffic, what happens next? How do you actually turn that traffic into followers, into buyers for your services and products on social media? Well, that's where the other content pieces come into play. So the second content pillar that I like to share with my students and that I want to share with you guys is a really easy one. And the moment you understand the basics of this, you're going to come up with so many contents every single day. This is literally the content type that I use on a daily basis for my own business. And that is content that addresses objections either directly or indirectly. And the top three, there's tons of objections that most businesses come through. They could be different objections per niche, doesn't matter. But what I found is the top three is I don't trust you. I don't think it's the right time. I'm not ready. Or I don't have the money. I would rather do this myself or find someone cheaper, let's say. For all industries, doesn't matter what you do, who you are, what business model you have. Typically, those are the three top objections. And so let's start with that. And let me give you guys some examples of content that you can do to address those objections. Because remember, it doesn't matter if someone gets a whole tutorial on how to do something from your Instagram account or from your YouTube or from your podcast if they still have objections that are preventing them from actually becoming a client, a customer of yours. And so, for instance, if one of the objections that you're finding a lot of people are saying to you when you come across them in your sales pipeline is, I don't trust you. You know, Mike, I'm not sure if you're the expert for me, or I don't know if your product really is the best. Well, what kind of content can you actually do to address that? Maybe it's about sharing testimonials, sharing client case studies, in your content. Um, maybe it is sharing your journey and sharing your story so that there's that relatability and that credibility, all of the success stories that you've done for yourself and all of that. So that can be content that you create that directly or indirectly addresses the objection of, I don't trust you. The second objection is, I don't think it's the right time. I'm not ready. I'm scared to move forward. And basically anyone who has like perfectionism or ducks in a row syndrome, or is just scared to make that investment with you. I love ducks in a row syndrome. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you literally have ducks in a row syndrome, like I can't do this until I have all this ready. And I see it all the time with my product and service because I'm teaching people how to start business. I'm teaching people how to get clients using Instagram, right? Exactly what I'm teaching here today. But a lot of my objections that I see across my business is mm, I need to figure out my niche first or mm, I need to post like, you know, three videos or three IGTVs before I can invest. I need to be consistent first before I actually learn how to build a business. You know, I hear it all the time. And so what am I going to do in my content strategy to alleviate that objection and to really build that trust and really give permission to my followers to take that next step with me? So, for example, Let's say, okay, perfect example. Earlier in this interview, I mentioned the fact that, hey, I know that TikTok, Clubhouse, a lot of hot platforms that have come up during quarantine is really taking over people's attention, right? And so a lot of the objections that I might come across from my ideal clients might be, Vanessa, should I really spend my time on Instagram? I'm not sure if it's the right time anymore. Maybe I should do Clubhouse. Maybe I should do TikTok. Maybe I should do another hot platform. Well, what I would do to address that objection is I would say something like, hey, here's why now is the right time to still use Instagram. Here are X, Y, Z reasons why Instagram is still relevant. Because for me personally, 
I teach people how to get clients on Instagram. And so I would want to craft my content to address that, to make sure people understand that Instagram, you should still pursue it. And it's not dead yet, despite having TikTok and Clubhouse and all these other platforms. And here's how Instagram compares and the pros and cons of each and why Instagram is still really great for businesses specifically. And so you see the difference between this type of content versus just how-to content, right? Well, and I would imagine you could go with some mindset stuff too, right? Exactly. You could also say like people that succeed on Instagram have this type of mindset, right? Boom, boom, boom. Absolutely. You know, and they don't wait, you know, they're willing to try something and, and if it doesn't work, then they learn from it and they keep moving forward. Right. I mean, that's an example of just a mindset addressing issue, which is, you know, and I would imagine there's a million iterations of this we could come up with for any particular I'm not ready kind of scenario, right? Totally. And that's kind of what I was talking about was when you understand the basics, you can come up with a hundred and million content ideas, right? Like the moment you understand objections. And even quotes, right? Exactly. Third party quotes from people that address the mindset, right? Like from famous people that have succeeded in other industries despite the odds, right? And that's what we like to call third partying. I actually, I want to talk about that a little bit. Go for it. I see a lot of newer entrepreneurs, newer business owners who are afraid to create content or share their own story because they think, "Mm, I don't have the expertise here or, you know, I've never experienced that myself. So I don't feel like I'm qualified enough to share this particular story or share this particular tip. And what I learned is something called third partying. And what that means is you can use examples of other people and leverage that in your content. So if I'm trying to make a point about, I don't know, why Clubhouse is something that you should pursue, even though I personally haven't dove into Clubhouse yet. What I can do is I can say, I know someone who's amazing and incredible, and his name is Mike Steltzner. And this is the success that he saw on Clubhouse and using a different platform. And this is what happened for him. And so that's something called third partying. And so I just want to slot that in. Yeah, it's almost like a success story, but it's not your customer success story. Yeah, it doesn't have to be your customer or client. Like, And that's the thing. A lot of newer service providers, they're like, well, I don't have a big enough client roster yet to use case studies to leverage a point that I want to make or alleviate an objection. Well, that's fine. When you get the clients, you can do that. But for now, don't use that as an excuse. Third party. Think of successful entrepreneurs who have followed a similar concept that you're preaching or that have overcome a similar excuse that you find your followers are saying to themselves that's preventing them from buying your products and services and leverage that story. Use a third party, uh, not testimonial, but use a third party story instead to support whatever objective your content aims to do. I want to double down on this real quick. Mm -hmm. Some of the best books in the business world that have ever been written of all time tell other people's stories and they're not the story of the author. They're the story of other people. You know, you think of the best selling business books of all time, seven highly successful, you know, whatever, right? They're always written about other people's stories, but they're presented in context with a moral, if you will, right? That allows people to see that something is possible. This has been used in business literally for centuries. So just fun little diversion. Keep going back to where you wanted to go. I think you had another uh, content angle you wanted to talk about. Yes. And this is the last one that I want to share. And then we can go through like 
other tips that I have. But the third one that I want to talk about is content that reveals mistakes or myths that your audience is making or believing and your recommendation of what to do instead. And again, I think that this podcast episode is a perfect case study for a lot of the things that I'm teaching right now. And so earlier on, you asked me, Vanessa, what are the common mistakes that people are making when it comes to Instagram content strategy? And I listed three top mistakes, right? And now I'm in the mode where I'm explaining to your listeners what to do instead. And when you are creating content on Instagram, any social media platform, you want to slot 25% of your content pie to talk about mistakes and myths that you're audience is blindly believing or doing because when you highlight the mistakes that they're making, it creates a gap, right? It creates a gap of, oh, I thought I was doing something right, but I'm actually not doing it correctly. And I had no idea. Thank goodness for Vanessa or for Mike for telling me that because now I can get back on the right track. However, now I realize, okay, well, I have a little bit, I have a long way to go to finding the solution. So now when your audience is hearing the mistakes that they're making, the miss or whatever, it puts them into problem solving mode. It makes them more problem aware. And when someone starts becoming more problem aware, they start hunting for the solution. And if you have your how-to content ready, if you've got your content that addresses objections ready, if you have the other pieces of the pie ready, now when you've put that person in a solution hunting mode, they might realize through consuming your other content pieces, ah, Mike has the solution. Vanessa has the solution. I'm going to click on the link in their bio and find more of the, the solution that could help me and potentially buy their paid products and services. And so This type of content, the goal, remember we talked about setting objectives. The objective of this is to make people problem aware so that they can then search for the solution. It also allows you to create curiosity for your products and services as well. Real quick, before you go to the curiosity thing, Mm -hmm. another advantage to talking about mistakes is it helps establish you as an expert. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I have a friend who's a realtor and every time he goes to show a house, to one of his customers and he sees these horrible mistakes that other realtors make, he'll take a picture or he'll make a short little video and he'll post it and he'll say, this is exactly how not to show a house if you want to sell a house. So good. And all it does is reestablish his expertise, right? Because these are the mistakes he would never do if he was your realtor, right? And that's the kind of stuff that that can go a long way, right? Because- It's not like he's bashing on anyone in particular. He's not showing the house. Instead, he's just showing everyone that he knows what he's talking about, mostly by showing the mistakes that other people make. Absolutely. And, you know, to all your listeners, if you actually look at my content, I think majority of my content really aims to educate people on what mistakes they're making, because I personally have found that to be more helpful for other people when they become more self-aware of the gaps in their content or the gaps in their business strategy. And I love the example that you gave about the realtor, because earlier on, I talked about, you know, the content that addresses objections. And so one of the objections that I didn't really get a chance to talk about was, I don't have money. I would rather DIY this. I don't need to hire a professional. I can just do this myself just to save a few bucks, right? Mm -hmm. And so the content that you can do is you could literally do what your realtor did and being like, hey, here are the mistakes that people make when they try to do this on their own. And they try to piecemeal something together. Actually, this works really well. So for instance, and it doesn't matter if you sell a digital information product like me, if you have a service, let me give you an example. Imagine 
I get my eyelashes done every month. I get lash extensions, right? And the lash business that I follow and that I go to, they'll always do like exactly what your realtor did. They'll take pictures of some of their clients lashes. The nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Who, who either went to a cheaper place or went or try to do it themselves and how it compares to their quality of work. And when I looked at that, cause I was in that position, I was like, Oh, do I really want to spend money like that extra $20 to go to this place where I can go to a cheaper place? But the moment that I saw the content on their Instagram and them literally showing me, Hey, this is the work that cheaper places do versus the work that we do. Or here's a client of ours that got an eye infection because they went to a place that wasn't sanitary compared to our place. Oh my goodness. I'm like, you know what? That 20 bucks that I was considering, take it. I don't care. I don't want an eye infection. I don't want to look like that. And so it doesn't matter what business you own or what business model you have. A lot of the content strategies that I'm sharing right now today can benefit you so much beyond just feeling like you need to give everything away in how-to content or hot tips content or quick wins content. These other pieces of content are equally as valuable for your business, especially if you're thinking in the lens of having more sales, customers, and prospects. This is awesome. You're about to say something about creating curiosity. Where did you want to go with that? Uh, yes. I just wanted to emphasize the point of when you do a lot of how-to content, like I said earlier, again, it could be 25% of the pie. But when you do 100% of the pie, number one, you're cannibalizing your own paid product. And number two, now there's no curiosity of what your paid product is, right? There's no urgency for me to be like, you know what, let me just go on Mike's website and like learn more about what he does. Cause I'm so intrigued just by looking at his free content, right? But cause you're giving it all away. You're not creating that gap. And so when you start talking about mistakes, myths, those type of content pieces that are still equally as valuable, now it allows people to become curious. Oh, okay. Well, now that I know that I'm doing this wrong, I'm so curious to know what I should do instead. I'm going to keep listening to Mike. I'm going to keep following him and I'm going to keep watching him because I want to slowly learn how to do things the right way. This is amazing because this is so like, I'm not even aware that I do this sometimes. Mm -hmm. I love this, by the way, you are solid freaking gold. I just had to inject that. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I've been, I've been doing this for like two years. You've kind of reverse engineered what a lot of people do well. And I love that about you. So keep going. Where, where do you want to go yeah. next? Well, it was honestly, you know, let me just give you like a little backstory of like why I'm so passionate about teaching other people this is because when I first started, I was sucked into thinking I got to give everything away. If I give everything away, people will like me, people will trust me and all of that. But the problems that happened after were so, so major, so eye-opening that I really had to change my content strategy. And now my content strategy works 10 times better than my old one. And my old one, like I said, was let me just give everything away. Let me teach everyone everything. I want to be the go-to place for people to just build their businesses for free, let's say. And as much as you think that gives value to people, you're actually hurting more than you're helping because like I said earlier, you're disabling your prospects from actually finding better solutions. You cannot piece a business or you cannot fix a broken marriage or you cannot fix your finances just by looking at an IGTV, right? And so again, like I said, the bigger the problem you have, the more diversified and balanced your content needs to be to support your people. Another thing that happened that opened my eyes to why my old strategy wasn't working, even though I got the views, even though I got the likes, even though I got the followers is 
oh my gosh, you should have seen my DMs. I had so many people not respecting my time because they're thinking, well, you give everything away for free anyway. So why can't you just give me free advice over the DMs? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I experienced that all the time. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Another thing, and this was the biggest eye opener is I was like, okay, well, I got so many vanity metrics. I got all the email people, email lists, grew my email list. I have the likes, I have the comments. I've got all the things because I'm posting how-to content and doing all those things. Let me launch my paid offer. Let me launch my paid offer to these group of people who've been very loyal followers of mine. They watch every single tutorial that I post. Guess what? What? Didn't convert. Mm. They didn't buy. Because they're thinking to themselves, well, why would I pay for this if you give it for free anyways? I'll just wait for the next free thing that you post because it's just as good. And so that was the biggest eye opener for me from a business perspective of, okay, got it. Different content pieces serve different purposes. I need to have different objectives linked to different content pieces. I've got 25% of my content that is designed to be how-to content. And the purpose there is to get more traffic, is to get the foot in the door, because a lot of people are searching for solutions. But once they're in that door, I got to balance out my content strategy with 25%, let's say, of content that addresses objections that people may have about not moving forward and buying my program and services and all that. And also content that aims to educate people on the gaps that they have. And again, that content is equally as valuable. A misconception that exists is, well, if I'm not teaching someone something and I'm not giving them the whole A to Z on how to do something, it's not going to be valuable. How am I going to stand out in the competition? My competitors are killing me because they're literally giving everything away. But the truth is, is that when it, from a sales perspective, it doesn't work that way. You've got to balance your content out. Love it. Okay. So we spent a lot of time talking about the types of content. How should we actually structure the content? Maybe just a couple of tips on like uh, ideas of how to like deliver the content, if you will, mm-hmm. functionally on Instagram. Yes, absolutely. So let's tie it all in a bow. What do you do with that content? Great, Vanessa. I understand the theories and the concepts, but execution wise, How do I do it? Because remember earlier on in this episode, I talked about watch time and read time. So you want to make sure people stay on your profile for as long as possible. And if you're spending your hours or maybe you're outsourcing to a VA and you are spending money, time and resources to create content, you better make sure that it's structured in a way that people are actually consuming and receiving the information that you you want them to receive. So here's some quick tips that I have for everyone. If you've got a long caption, turn it into a carousel. This has worked extremely well for me. Now, what this means is what I like to do is I notice, this is what I notice that people do. They either max out their whole caption space and write an essay or worse, they write an essay and because they ran out of space, they continue in the comment section. <laughs> and then uh, in the caption, they'll say continued in comments. Mm. I don't know about you, Mike, but I never look at the second part because I'm like, mm, right. this is a whole essay. I don't want to read this. And so what I do now is I write my caption in my notepad. I have an iPhone, by the way. So I've got my iPhone notepad. It could be anything. It could be a Google Doc. Just make sure it's like in your mobile phone. And then what I'll do is I'll screenshot and then I'll crop it so that it fits a carousel. And so now what happens is the person who's on my profile, they'll see a photo of me, let's say, but when they swipe left, they'll then see the caption broken into little bite-sized pieces. And the best part is, is when you do it this way, if there's a particular part in your caption that someone really resonated with, they'll reshare that. 
I see a lot of people resharing portions of my carousel because for those people who maybe aren't familiar with carousels, basically what it is, it's like you can upload, you know, 10 photos max. And when you post it, people can actually like scroll through it, kind of like a slideshow or a presentation. Exactly. So what I'm hearing you say is you're taking the text and you're moving it across a series of square images that people are swiping through, like they're swiping through a deck of Keynote or PowerPoint, right? Yes, exactly. And I know this works because I get people DMing me be like, oh my God, I read the entire thing. I loved it so much. Or I see people sharing portions of it because the beneficial thing when you split it up into a carousel is that when someone wants to share, they can share a specific slide on their story, right? And so that helps you get more reach as well. And I want to share a best practice that has worked extremely well for me. I coined this term and it's uh, it's called the photo bait method. And basically what I do with the photo bait method is I know from my analytics, because I have a personal brand business, so it really depends the type of industry you have. You want to kind of look at your analytics for this. But for me personally, I know that whenever I post a photo of myself, like a selfie or a photo from a photo shoot, let's say, it gets significantly more likes and more comments than my other posts. And so knowing this, I want to stop the scroll because typically I find that when people see a photo of me, they like tend to stop the scroll sooner. And so what I'll do is I'll put the first photo as a photo of myself in the carousel. That captures people's attention. In the caption, I'll write swipe left in the carousel to read the caption or to read my value bomb or to read how to do. So you don't put anything on that first photo. You stick it in the caption instead is what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? Yeah. So the first photo is a photo of myself. Because I'm baiting someone. Got it. With without text on it, you're not you're not like editing it to with a little arrow or anything, so they notice. No, the, no, okay, it's just good. in the caption. I just say swipe. Perfect. Just instructions, right? And the caption's pretty short. It's like a summary, but it's super short. It's not an essay, right? Because I save that for the carousel itself. And so the reason why it's called the photo bait method is because I'm baiting people with a photo that I know is going to perform well on the first slide, Love and that. then I give instructions for them to swipe. And then when they swipe, they see the rest of the caption in bite-sized pieces. And so that allows people to become engaged and actually read it. Because at the end of the day, you want to stop the scroll. It doesn't matter how amazing your content is. People need to actually want to click on it in the first place. And so that's what I like to call the photo bait method. And I've been doing it all of last year. I still do it to this day. I teach it to my own students. And it has produced the best results for me because you're getting best of both worlds. You're getting the vanity metrics that will boost you in the algorithm, but Behind the first slide, you've got your value-based caption, or it could be other things. It could be maybe a video testimonial from a client. It could be a screenshot of your sales page or your offer. It doesn't matter. Anything can be hidden in the next few slides, but you're getting best of both worlds. You're getting the vanity metrics with the first slide, and then for the rest of it, you are potentially you know, addressing people's objections, uh, addressing the mistakes or myths, building up social proof, um, sharing a new product that you launched. And so I have found that to work extremely well for me. This is awesome. I have another question for you. You're going to be doing a workshop for the social media marketing workshops called Captions That Convert, How to Grow Your Sales on Instagram. Can you give us a quick 60 second on what we will discover when we participate in the workshop? A two-hour workshop, by the way. Yes, a two-hour value-based packed workshop. You're going to learn my best practices when it comes to caption writing from top to bottom. You're going to learn first off the overarching strategy that's applicable to any business. So basically think about the blueprint 
of a successful caption. And then afterwards, we're going to transition and we're going to chunk down to the details. And I'm going to give people three plug and play frameworks that you can adapt to your specific business. And the goal of my workshop is every single person who attends is going to walk away with three captions already written with my tips and templates. And they're also going to walk away with transferable skills because now they know the actual blueprint of what is the true anatomy of a successful caption that converts and that gets people's attention. Vanessa Lau, you are a rock star and I know many people listening are going to want to check you out. So first of all, where do they find you on Instagram? And also where else would you want to send them? So I am vanessalau.co on Instagram. And then on YouTube, if you want to dive deeper into my tips and content and see everything in action, you can visit my YouTube channel and just search Vanessa Lau. I'll be the first one that shows up in search. Thank you so much for coming on and in a really easy to understand way, providing solid gold to so many listeners who I know are going to listen more than once. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you for having me, Mike. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. By the way, if there's anything you heard and you didn't catch it, we took all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 447. If you're new to the show, hit the subscribe button. And if you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about this show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.